continuing our study here through 1 Peter. And one of the things I love about Wednesday nights versus Sunday nights is Wednesday nights gets to be a little bit more of a Bible study feel. Hence, we get to do the sheets like this, and we get to take our time and really get a chance to chew on some of these things that the Lord has to say. So tonight we're going to be doing the end of 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 22 through 25, and we're going to hopefully do, Lord willing, time willing, the first three verses there of chapter 2. So with that being said, let's dig into this and see what God has to say here. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, it says, Since you have been purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Now we're going to stop there real quick. What really hit me, you can see in your sheets there if you want to follow along, two amazing statements. That really hit me there at the beginning in verse 22. My soul has been purified and my heart is pure. Those are pretty big statements. That's actually a really big statement because I know how sinful my soul is and I know some of the thoughts that I have in my heart. So for me to hear that my soul has been purified and my heart has been made pure, that's a pretty impressive statement to see what the Lord has done. Now the answer is in how is that possible? Well, you can see right here, it sounds right there in verse 23 because we've been born again. Now, if I was doing this on a Sunday morning, we would really stop and make this an uh, evangelical message about being born again and what that means. But as everybody knows, the unwritten rule of Wednesday night, if you come to Wednesday night, that means you're automatically saved. So the assumption is everybody here tonight already knows the Lord. I heard one pastor say, Wednesday night people are the wise men, the magi, seeking the Lord, wanting to go deeper. So with that being said, I don't want to skip over the importance of being born again. That's vital. But I want to talk about the stuff before and after this. I want you to think about this statement one more time in verse 22. Your soul is pure and your heart is pure. That's really big. Because anytime we do communion out here, we always have this quiet time of confession before communion starts. And one of the things we always say is, you just feel so overwhelmed. I have these thoughts. I'm, I, if you ever want to know what's going through my mind up here when we say, okay, it's a quiet time of communion, let's give our over to the Lord. I'm always thinking here, I'm a, I'm a failure of a husband, I'm a failure as a father, I'm a failure as a pastor, I'm a failure as this and this and that. And then I look at the bread and I look at the juice there and I thought, wow, but it's by the blood and body of Christ I've been made clean. That's amazing. So when I see these souls been purified, my heart's been made pure, that's a big deal. And this is all in the past tense. Did you catch that in verse 22? It says, since you have purified your souls. Now, depending on your translations, it may not say since, but I checked all the major translations, and every one is past tense. The point is, Peter is talking to believers. He wants to remind you as believers, your soul is pure and your heart is pure. Once again, those are big statements. And that word pure is an amazing word. It's not used that often in the Bible. In fact, one of the best references is in Revelation 22.1, where the waters of life, the river of the water of life in heaven, the same word is used to describe that as pure. So when it says that your heart is pure, it's as pure as the river in heaven. That's pretty pure. Now once again, how do we get to that point? Well, the answer is found in verse 23, is because you have been born again. Now before you fully stop and realize what it means to be born again, we have to understand what it means for our heart to be made pure. You can see I put a little reference there, that Jeremiah 17, 9. I just want to read that to you real quick because this really sets the scene of our heart. It says in Jeremiah 17, 9, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give to every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. Look how God describes the heart. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. That is mankind at its best. Every now and then you see these little movements in the world where we all can get together and sing Kumbaya and be one big happy family. 
and that we as human beings, uniting together, we can fix all the world's problems and everything can be great, fine, and dandy. That's impossible because your heart is wicked and my heart is wicked. Now, that's not a contradictory statement because if you're thinking, well, didn't you just say your heart's pure? My heart's only pure when I've been born again. And even while I've been born again, my heart is made pure in Christ. i got this stupid sin, flesh, on my body that still likes to do some things that aren't that smart. But in the scheme of eternity, through the eyes of Jesus, my soul is purified, my heart is pure, because I have been born again. Now, real quick, I know a lot of us know this, but it's important to make this point. If you look there at that passage we put in that John 3, 3, Jesus said you have to be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven. Born again means that my old nature, my deceitfully wicked heart, my soul that's dirty and sinful, I get to be born one more time, spiritually born again. So therefore, now my heart has been pure, my soul has been made pure. So in the eyes of Jesus, even though this body here is decaying and dying, my heart is pure and perfect through Christ on the cross. So therefore, now I am born again. That's the importance of that. So that's why as Christians we throw that phrase out there so often. And that phrase that is so vital to Christianity is really only mentioned three times in the Bible. Two by Jesus and one right here in 1 Peter. That we've been born again, not of corruptible seed, and depending on your translation, some of your translations may say perishable seed. Not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible seed or imperishable through the word of God which lives and abides forever. Now, that's a pretty important statement. Is that idea of what that does is to mean born again. And how do we get to be born again? Well, the key thing there is found in verse 23, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Now, before we go to that stepping stone of the importance of the word of God, let's just stop for a second. These two statements, my soul has been pure, my heart is pure. How is that possible? Because I've been born again, I'm a deceitfully wicked person, but Christ has made me clean and right. And so now we're going to talk about how did we get to that point it's through the salvation that God has given us in his word. Now, before we get to that, let's stop here real quick. Does anyone have any quick questions, comments about the born again and the idea of the soul being pure and the heart being pure through what Christ did on the cross? Everybody cool? Oh, Ron. Well, if I have a pure heart, am I not sinful? Yeah. The flesh, that's a good question. How can I have a pure heart but yet still be sinful? This flesh is sinful. See, what happens is when we talk about this idea of being a pure heart, that means my soul has been made right in Christ. So therefore, when I die, my soul is an eternal thing. That soul is going to live on forever, be it either in heaven or in hell for all of eternity. My flesh will not live on forever. My flesh is going to decay and die and disappear. So that's why when we die and go to heaven, one of the things that we get is a new body. We get a glorified body for all of eternity. So what we're talking about here is I still sin because there's still flesh in my bones. I still have sin nature. And my soul has been made pure through what Christ did on the cross, that when James Irvin dies right now, I get to go to heaven because my soul has been wiped clean through what Jesus did. That's what that means, being born again. But as long as I have flesh on these bones, I'm still going to do some stupid stuff in sin. And that's why this flesh, that's why the Bible talks about dying to the flesh, dying to those desires to do things that we shouldn't do. Yes, Lisa. Yeah, it goes back to that original sin. And that's exactly what it is, is when Adam and Eve screwed up in the Garden of Eden, that sin was passed on to generation to generation to generation. And it's not that it's only passed on. The three, the three things, this is going off the top of my head if I remember correctly, were sinners by birth, were sinners by choice, and were sinners by uh, generations, genealogy, if you will. Since Adam and Eve, which are my great-great-great-great-great, fill-in-the-blank, grandma and grandpa, I inherited sin from them. That's their lasting present to me, and I appreciate that. I'm a sinner by birth. As soon as I'm born into this world, this is a cursed, fallen world, and so therefore I'm born into sin. 
You know, I, I, we just had a new baby three weeks ago, and everybody's oh, he's perfect. My comment back is, no, he's not. He's a sinner. You know, he's, I, I know, I'm just a joy-sucking fool. But the point is, he's a sinner. He's born into sin. And the last thing is, I'm a sinner by choice. I choose to do dumb things. So I'm a sinner by choice. I'm a sinner by birth. And my genealogy shows that I'm a sinner, going all the way back to original sin. So this sin problem has permeated my flesh, my soul, my heart, every ounce of me. Jesus comes, I become born again in Christ through what he did on the cross. His blood forgives my sin, and this is a whole other subject there. He's the sacrifice for my sin, and so therefore my heart and soul has been made pure, so I have eternal life in Christ, and now when I die, I lose this flesh, and then when I come into heaven, I have a new glorified body, and I don't take this sinful flesh with me. It's a beautiful deal, wonderful deal. John, yeah, and sin my mother conceived me. Yeah, David wrote that in Psalm 51, is that idea of everything from the beginning of, basically from the beginning of our life on this earth to the end of our life on this earth, it's sin. We're in a sinful, fallen, cursed world. And this is a point that we've talked about many times, especially on Sunday, when somebody comes up to me and says, well, how can I believe in a God that allows this to happen in this world? One of the things I always say is this is not the way the Lord intended this world to be. This is a fallen, sinful world, so things happen in this world that are cursed. This is a cursed sin forward. I was actually out weeding this morning, and I'm looking at thistles. And I'm looking at these thistles thinking, back in the Garden of Eden, thistles weren't pokey. Now, I can't back that up necessarily with Scripture. It's not like in Genesis 1.26, thistles were not pokey, thus saith the Lord. But the point is, the idea of mosquitoes biting and, and snakes being venomous, and this all, I mean, all this type of stuff, that's a effect of a sinful, cursed, fallen world. That's not the way God originally intended it. So when we see the nightly news or we hear a horrible tr story and we say we want to blame God, boy, we as human beings do a pretty bad job in this world and we bring a lot of hurt and sorrow into this world. We really do. Anybody else have anything you want to say about this idea here before we move on? Okay, now we need to talk about the importance of God's word in our salvation. Now some of you know my soapbox is God's word. And after we get done with this lesson, I hope you realize why my soapbox is God's Word. A lot of you right now are probably thinking, okay, James, you already got to get into God's Word. We know it's important. Okay, but you don't know how important it is. Look at this. How are we born again? Verse 23. Having been born again, not of corruptible or perishable seed, but incorruptible, imperishable seed, through the Word of God which lives and abides forever. So you are born again through God's Word being preached and spoken to you. If you were born again and saved tonight, I would like you to tell me how you got born again and saved, which did not include any of God's Word. No matter how salvation was presented to you, it was presented to you in some form of God's Word. Now, they may have literally quoted you verses. They literally may have done the Roman road. They may have used terms like born again. Where'd they get that from? John 3. Where'd they get the concept of Jesus dying on the cross from our sins? From the Gospel. In some way or another, God's Word played a role in bringing salvation to you. It's vital. This is the roadmap that God gave us to point us towards Jesus Christ. And that's why it's so vital. That's why out here at Harvest Fellowship, and I'm not trying to elevate us above any other church, this is why we think it's so vital to do the verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter teaching of God's Word. It's because this is where this, the truth is, and this is where the importance of this is. So look at the importance of this. Verse 23, the Word of God which lives and abides forever. Verse 25, so, excuse me, verse 24, Because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man, and as the flower of the grass, the grass withers, and as flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word by which the gospel was preached to you. So we have in verse 23, the word of God which lives and abides forever. We have verse 25, the word of the Lord which endures forever, which then brings us to verse 25, this is the word by which the gospel was preached to you. So this eternal, enduring word is what brings us to salvation. Now I know that's kind of a simplistic point, 
guys, this is vital. If you want to go out and change the world, you've got to use God's word. If you want to see your own life changed, you've got to be in God's word. It's vital to have these things, absolutely vital. And look at it. It's an eternal word. It abides forever. It endures forever. So we have eternal salvation, which also includes an eternal word. As you see this idea of coming together, I will live on forever and eternity through Jesus. Why? Because God's word, which is also eternal, plays a vital, vital role in this. So God's word is vital to us, verse 25. That's how it was preached to us. Now, since it was preached to us, there's now two things that God's word does as believers. If you look at verse 1 of chapter 2, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted the Lord is gracious. God's word also does two things for you. First thing it does is it brings us to salvation. That's what we just talked about. But there's two other things it does. Did you catch this in verse 1? God's word helps you move past the past. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, God's word gives you a platform. It gives you an outline to say, this is how I move past my sin. A lot of us came in here tonight and we're struggling. We're struggling physically. We're struggling emotionally. We're struggling spiritually. Well, God's word gives us comfort and hope to get through those tough times. Some of us came in here tonight just struggling in sin. We're sitting here looking good, but people have no idea what we're really like in our heart or on the outside and the inside, what have you. Well, God's word right here tells us it helps us put those things in the past. Now, I think that's vital. I remember distinctly one time I was talking to a guy that was coming out here to church. This was getting to be about 10 plus years ago. We were standing right out here in the parking lot. He swung by. He saw me outside and said, hey, can I talk to you? And I said, sure. And he was opened up about some of the struggles they had in life. He was going through some tough things. And I started quoting him some scriptures that deal with those tough things. And I said, you know, hey, God's word here. And he stopped me. And he goes, I'm so sick and tired of people telling me, you know, God's word has all the answers and God's word gives you the strength to get through those things. He goes, that's just a bunch of baloney. And I stopped and I thought there for a second. I thought, what else am I supposed to tell this guy? Because here's the thing. You come to me and you open up your heart. James, I'm struggling with anger. What's the first thing I say to you? I've got some great passages I want to give you. And the first thing you think of is, okay, how is reading some words going to help me get over this anger problem? Because that's what God's word does. See, look at Hebrews 4.12, that verse down there at the bottom. The word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and as discerner of the faults and intents of the heart. This is a surgical tool that when you are struggling with fill-in-the-blank of your sin, lust, anger, what have you, so let's say it's anger, we take verses that deal with anger, you read over those verses, you pray over those verses, you meditate over those verses, and God's word, like a sword, cuts into your heart, finds those areas that are negative and hurtful and painful and sinful in your life, and it starts to surgically remove those areas when you trust that God's word can move and act. Now here's the truth of this. You either believe it or you don't. If you believe it, Psalm's word, in Psalm 119, it comes right out and says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. It says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against God. You either believe that or you don't. If you believe that, then God's word is a powerful tool to help you in those areas you're weak in. If you don't believe that, then there's nothing else I can say to you about that. And you know why? Because look right here in verse 2. Newborn babes desire the pure milk of the world. Excuse me, of the word. That you may grow thereby. As a believer, we desire God's word. People come up to me a lot. One of the questions they like to ask me is, how do you know if you're saved? Okay, that's a really big question. Well, one of the things I always like to share is, as a believer, according to 1 Peter 2, verse 2, as a newborn babe in Christ, you're going to desire God's word. You're going to want it. 
You're going to want to learn. You're going to want to grow. You're going to want to study. That, that's going to be a part of your life that you really want to grow in. And as you desire that, that helps you grow. we got a little three-week-old baby at home. His life consists of eating and sleeping. That's his life. The boys keep saying, when's he going to do something? Like, Guys, this, this is what he does. You know, this is always going to, well, why can't we play with him? Because he doesn't play. He eats and sleeps. He eats and sleeps. That's all he does. Why? Because of verse 2. He's a newborn baby. He desires the pure milk. That's what he wants. See, as a believer, I desire God's word. And part of my Christian struggle is there's a part of me that says, Lord, I want to. I want to read more. I want to pray more. I want to study more. And there's a part of me sometimes that says, I am so excited. I can't wait to get home and open up the word. And I got my highlighter and I got my pen. And I'm just going to sit here and read this evening. I desire it. But there's the other part of me that says, I wonder what's on TV. So I flip on the TV and I find a neat show. And I say, you know what? I'll just watch this show for an hour. And then I'll still have some time before I go to bed. And then I'll just read before I go to bed because I really desire it. Well, then I watch another show. Then I'm too tired. And then I make excuses like this. And if you've ever said this, it's an excuse. I'm just telling you. Well, I'm so tired tonight, I know I won't get anything out of it. That's a bunch of baloney. I'm just telling you right now, it is. Well, I'll just get up early tomorrow. No, you won't. You won't. You know why you won't? Because I won't. And I'm better than you. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. I'm kidding. We desire it. We truly do desire it. But there's this flesh thing. That pops up. And so part of me as a believer says, I desire this, Lord. I, I want to read. I want to study. I want to pray. I, I really want to. And so what happens is we hear a message and we underline. I mean, if you look at my First Peter Bible here, I got everything underlined. I got verses written all over. Because when I studied this, it's like, Lord, this is exciting. But then I walk away from my Bible and do I take it with me or not? So God's word, verse 1 of chapter 2, helps me put aside those things in the past. And, and I'm telling you right now, and I think I can say this, whatever area of life you're struggling in, if there's a sin in your life, I bet you we can find a verse that applies to that. I really do believe that. And you know what you do with those verses? You put them on your fridge, you put them in your car, you mark them. Because God's word says, when you look at that verse and you read that and you pray that, and I'm not just saying read it and pray it like some little magic potion, the Bible uses the word meditate, which means to chew on. You stop and you say, Lord, I, I look at that. I don't want to be that type of person. And I read your word. I see your word. The Bible says surgically in Hebrews 4.12, God's word will go into that sinful area in your life and start cutting it out. Now, anybody that's ever been through surgery knows what? It hurts. It does not matter how much pain medicine they give you before and or after. You will experience some pain. Spiritually speaking, if you want those sinful areas of your life cut out, it is going to hurt. It just is. That's what God's Word, though, does. It cuts out those things that are hurtful and painful and helps us to move forward. And that takes us to verse 2. We move forward by desiring the pure milk of the Word, that we may grow. Now, I'm not picking on anybody when I say this. Spiritually, take a look at yourself. Are you growing? We have in the one closet at home, we have the little hash marks of the boys. You know, the classic on, on how much they grow. And generally what happens is we'll measure them. They get so excited, they wake up the next day and they want measured again because they think they've probably grown. That's exciting to see progress. Spiritually speaking, look at verse 2. As a newborn babe, desiring the pure milk of the word, that you may grow. Okay, just ask yourself, have you grown spiritually? Have you? This is not to kick you while you're down. This is not to be some type of condemnation message. This is just an honest-to-goodness question. Is there spiritual growth going on in your life? If you find a lack of spiritual growth, are you desiring the milk of the Word? See, Romans 10, 17, if you look at our last verse there, faith comes by hearing and by hearing the Word of God. I hear people tell me all the time, I want to grow in my relationship with the Lord. I want to be stronger. I want to have more faith. I always tell them, well, get into the Word. Well, that's boring. That's what happens. 
So what happens is they find this great pastor that's got this three-tape series on how to go deeper in the Lord. Okay, that may be good. I don't know. I'm not picking on that pastor. But unless it's centered in God's Word, what difference does it make? The way you are going to grow in the Lord is by being with Him daily in the Word. That's just the fact of it. And if you're not daily with Him in the Word, yeah, you'll survive. Yeah, you'll get by. But you're missing out. See, and I think that's the thing. I think what happens is sometimes with these messages, people walk away saying, well, you know what? I don't know the last time I cracked my Bible, and I think I'm doing okay. You know what? You may be doing okay, because the Holy Spirit's good, and so is Jesus. But there's so much more. See, that's the thing is there's so much more. There's that one parable, the sower and the seed, where it says some return 30, some return 60, some return 90. See, sometimes we get stuck at this 30-fold return, and we're content. I'm not, I'm not arguing with my spouse as much. I'm not cussing as much. I'm not drinking as much. I'm not looking at junk online as much. I have a good return. But there's a 60 return, and then there's a 90 return, and then there's 120. It's like, Lord, I desire more. I've said out here numerous times, the last thing we need is more lukewarm Christians. We've got plenty of those in the world. We need people on fire for Christ. And that comes by being in the Word. And how do you get in the Word? Look at verse 3. If indeed you have tasted, the Lord is gracious. If you're taking notes, there's a great verse that I absolutely love. It's Psalm 34.8. Psalm 34.8. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. I tell you, once you take a bite out of it, it's amazing. You just desire it and you just want it. Let's finish with this. Can you go to Hebrews chapter 5 with me, please? Hebrews 5. Hebrews 5. I like the one translation where it says, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the world, one translation says crave. Oh, I like that. If you've ever been around a baby that's hungry, they're not desiring, they're craving. And sometimes they crave very, very loudly. Well, spiritually speaking, if we're separated from God and we can't grow in Him, I hope that we would cry that same way. Lord, I want more of you. I desire more of you. Look here at Hebrews 5, and let's go ahead and pick it up. Oh, let's say here. Let's start in verse 11. Look at this, the writer of Hebrews. It says, Of whom we have much to say and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Now that's not a real pick-me-up of a verse, but that sets the scene. The writer of Hebrews says, verse 11, he says, You guys have become dull of hearing. You have. That's what he says. He says, You're not paying attention. Because you're not desiring, you're not growing. You've become dull of hearing towards the things of God. Verse 12, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. You have come to need milk and not solid food. The writer of Hebrews is here saying, hey, we're still in the basics. We need to move past the basics. Verse 13, for everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he's a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let's go on to perfection. That word perfection literally means maturity. Not laying again the foundation of repentance, from dead works and of faith towards God and of doctrines of baptism, etc., etc. He's basically saying here is you guys should be moving forward. Now, he just comes right out and says it. Verse 11, you're dull of hearing. He comes right out and says in verse 12, he goes, you should be teaching people right now. He goes, you're still dinking the milk. He says, you need solid food, which he says in verse 13 means you're unskilled in the word. Verse 14, solid food belongs to those that are mature. That's some pretty straightforward stuff. But you know what? It's actually pretty honest. A lot of times as Christians, we get stuck in the milk phase, spiritually speaking. And it's really easy just to keep hearing about the same good stuff again. It's just every single service here about how much God loves us and how God has a mansion waiting for us in heaven and that he just loves us and he forgives us. Are those things bad? No. I love those things. But what the writer of Hebrews is saying is you need to move on a little bit. There's some deeper stuff you need to get into. 
And we have to stop and ask ourselves, just very simply put here, as you look at and read Hebrews 5 and to the beginning part of chapter 6, just ask yourself, are you still in the milk? Are you in the solid food? Now the problem is, if you get a new believer that needs milk and you try to give them solid food, what's going to happen? They're going to choke. But at the same time too, generally speaking, a healthy adult lives on more than just milk. <laughs> there comes that point of solid food. Same thing spiritually. If you're new to Christ, then you need milk. The worst thing we could do is give you solid food, you'll choke on that. But at the same time, too, if you've been walking with the Lord for years and years and years, it's my job as your pastor and as your friend to say, hey, you know what, you've had a lot of milk. Let me cut up some meat for you, okay? Little tiny pieces, but then let's grow, grow. And that's the whole point. That's the fact that's what's why one of the discipleship classes offered out here at Harvest is called Grow. It's that idea of, of moving and growing in the Lord and going from past the milk into the deeper things of Christ. Is that easy to do? No, it's not easy to do. I've been saved for 19 years, and I are still a lot of glasses of milk I drink. God help me. And sometimes I try to chew on some stuff, and the Lord says, James, let's just get this glass of milk down first. And here's the thing about it. The Lord knows what's best. But the whole point is I'm supposed to be desiring deeper things of the Lord, and that comes through his word. So real quick, real recap here. I'm pure in heart. I'm purified in my soul. Why? Because I'm born again in Christ. How am I born again? Because the gospel was preached to me through the word of God. Brought me to salvation. But then that word of God also then helps me to move past the sin in my life. And also then helps me to move forward to go deeper in my relationship with Jesus Christ. What a beautiful tag team that is. Do we have any final questions, comments about this before we close up here? Okay. Go ahead and pray then. Heavenly Father, I just pray that we would do this, Lord. As individuals and as corporately as a church, that we would say we desire things to be deeper in our lives in you. Lord, just no more of this surface relationship with you, but a honest in our heart, growing and going deeper in you. And Lord, we pray that in the name of Jesus. And Lord, if there's some here tonight that have some sin in their life that's being brought to their attention through the Spirit, just as your word says here, I just pray that you would just surgically go in there through the word and just cut that. Lord, show them the path that they need to do. Show them the areas that they need to grow in. And Lord, if someone came in here tonight struggling, be it emotionally, spiritually, or physically, Lord, encourage them and uplift them through the encouragement of your word. Thank you for the blessing of your word being in our hands, Lord, and we lift this up in your name. Amen. Just a quick reminder, we need to split the chairs for uh, that, and also we need to clear off the stage then as well, too. So uh, thanks for your help, and you guys have a good week, and God bless.